What's up, Painless Flipping Podcast listeners? Before we dive into today's episode, I've got something special for you. Recently, I had the pleasure of joining an amazing podcast, and I wanted to share that conversation with you all. It's a fantastic discussion you won't want to miss. So without further ado, let's jump into that crossover episode and hear what we had to say. Enjoy. It's kind of difficult to see like what works, so we just put out as much as we can. And I believe with consistency and with the right SEO titles, it's going to grow inevitably grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Most hosts never achieve the results they hoped for. They're falling short on listenership and monetization, meaning their message isn't being heard and their show ends up costing them money. This podcast was created to help you grow your listenership and make money while you're at it. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Adam Adams. What's up, podcaster? It's your host, Adam Adams. And today I'm joined with Nathan Payne and he owns a company, Painless Flipping, the podcast Painless Flipping. And we're going to be talking about what he does, how he does it, and how his podcast supports his business because he also does coaching and mentoring to help people flip houses. First and foremost, Nathan, what does even flipping a house mean? Just start there. Maybe the listener doesn't know what a house flip is because they've never driven by and seen a house upside down. Yeah. So for me, there's like two meanings to house flipping, right? There's like flipping a contract or flipping, you know, a house, right? Or actually like getting a hammer and flipping a house, like getting a hammer, doing the rehab, doing that. I look at both of them the same, right? Like it doesn't really matter the extra strategy. We look at real estate, we get a property and we determine the best way to make money. And if that's flipping the contract and wholesaling it, if that's assigning is another way, a lot of people call it assignments or fixing and flipping yourself like on HGTV. So to answer your question, either one of those. Okay, so HGTV is what we need to be thinking about if we want to know what you do. No, so ha- I, half of what you do. Yeah, so I teach people how to flip a contract, how to assign a contract. Okay. But again, eventually what you're going to do is pick out which one is going to make you the most money. Sometimes it's going to make you more money to actually physically flip it yourself versus just selling the flipping the contracts or assigning it. So, But I teach people that are brand new how to flip a contract, assign a contract, wholesale it because it doesn't require any capital. There was this guy, his name is uh, Matt Terrio, and I used to listen to his podcast a lot. Yeah. And then I joined a mastermind that he's in. So he's become somewhat of a friend and he's got frequently talks about the difference between a slow dime and a fast nickel. Have you heard that too? I have, yeah. In this case, if you're flipping houses or flipping contracts, like wholesaling a house, mm-hmm. why would you choose the fast nickel sometimes? Or why would that make you more money sometimes? Well, some people don't have the luxury to flip five, and when I say flip, like physically flip and rehab five properties at a time, right? Because that requires money. So that's the slow dime, right? The fast nickel would be wholesaling it because you have three projects or you have one project and you need to keep the cash coming into your business. So- yeah. That's the difference. I've had that happen in my business where it's like, hey, I got marketing spend going out. I would like to flip this house. I just don't have the luxury to do that. I don't have the money. So I need to get the money now. (laughs) So basically, another way to say it is like, you can make a third amount of the money in a tenth of the time. And so- Mm in a way you're making more per hour by wholesaling than flipping sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it just comes down to what can you do? Like a lot of people overextend themselves and they flip more properties. They rehab more properties than they have the bandwidth to do and they get themselves in trouble. It's the same thing with people that buy single family properties, right? They follow the Kiyosaki model. They're like, yeah, let me just 
over leverage myself. I don't have all the money. And if the tenant leaves or destroys the property and you don't have money and it's vacant, you're in trouble. So yeah. you just got to be careful that you keep that cash coming in because cash is what enables the business to keep running. And then you have a secondary business that coaches and supports other people to be able to learn how to make the fast nickel. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of what I teach is like how to get, yeah, the fast nickel. Cause a lot of people, they start in what I believe wholesaling, they start the wrong way. They just go and spend a ton of money on marketing and they're like, let me go find a deal. And it's like, Hey, you're jumping past a lot of steps here. Just cause you can pay $10,000 on mail. Like I did when I first started, doesn't mean you know how to handle incoming leads. Doesn't mean you don't know what price to buy them or who to wholesale them to. So I try to get people to say, Hey, look, before you jump into all that marketing, let's make sure you understand the process of finding a buyer. Let's make sure you know what a deal is. Yeah. So that's, that's I did, what I teach people. I did a whole bunch of flipping and all sorts of random stuff, apartments, self-storage units. I did a flip on a mobile home and I learned that you can't sell mobile home parks that were older than a certain year to an FHA buyer. And I learned the hard way, but I also tried wholesaling and I did it the wrong way. I didn't use your coaching. The painful way, huh? You did did it the painful way, way, not the painless way. So we had spent five grand a week Mm -hmm. for three weeks. We got one deal Mm -hmm. out of it. Five grand a week on direct mail, by the way, to the listener who's wondering this meant that we did these little tiny postcards that I think cost us like 26 cents each ish to get them sent out. And we sent out thousands and thousands of these multiple times to multiple people. Yeah. And one person called us back. We got their house under contract. We flipped it. We made six grand and then we quit. We never tried it again. We were like, forget that 15 grand to make six grand. Um, So yeah, I definitely like that for your strategy, you're teaching people how to make the money without spending as much money. Right. Yeah. Cause again, like when I first started, same thing with you. Like I actually got a coach and they're like, Hey, mail unknown equity. So we're like, okay, great. He said to mail $5,000. Let's double it because that will double our chances of getting a deal and making more money. So we spent 10, got about four calls or like five calls. You know, sometimes the response rate mail can be terrible, especially in Utah. It's not very good, but in later to find out. And we didn't get a deal. So it's like a lot of people starting out when they spend 10,000, they're not able to really recover or don't want to recover from that. So for me, like my mission is to be like, hey guys, you can do that. Just don't start off that way. A lot of good stories saying that they did well, but they don't tell you that they spent 50K and got a 60K deal, but really their profit, well, 10,000, but really is it 10,000 after all the time and the heartache and all that stuff? Well, yeah, we had two or three of us that we need to split six grand with. It doesn't make and, it very uh, far, does it? <laughs> I love that you're doing that. Another mistake that I made is I didn't have hire any coach. So we just went and did it on our own just from listening to a couple of podcasts only. Right. I really suggest that if somebody is going to want to do something like that in the real estate industry, like they probably ought to have a coach, a mentor in their corner that could really support them. So you started doing that. And I want to understand like how this all works with your podcast. Give me like a timestamp of when you started wholesaling, a timestamp of when you started coaching and timestamp of when you started the podcast. Great question. So I started wholesaling about a little over five years ago. So built the business up with a business partner. Just We kept it going, going. And then I got into coaching a year ago, right? Because I was like, hey, I think it'd be good. We're at a point in our business where you can run the wholesaling business and I can teach people how to get started. And then what happened was the pandemic 
will cause interest rates to rise after, you know, everything happened. And my business partner was like, dude, this kind of sucks. Like we were flipping at the time and a lot of our properties like way lower than what we had uh, going to do. Yeah, yeah. So he was like, dude, let's forget this. I'm not really interested in this. So I was like, well, I'm still doing it. But now I don't have you to run the team. And I honestly feel like the overhead and the marketing we were spending, it's not something I'm interested in. I was like, I can get deals myself. I know what buyers are buying. And I was like, this is actually profitable. This is something that I think a lot of people should be doing. Because I went back to the basics. I was like, hey, you know, how do I make money and not spend it all? I was going through that scenario. So I do it and now I teach it. And that's how I got into the podcast. I met with Tom Kroll. And he was talking about my coaching business and he's like, you should have a podcast. And I was like, oh, I do YouTube, but I haven't been putting it on like a podcast platform. That's pretty much what we did at that point is started, I think the podcast in November. And uh, I will say it's not like the main strategy. YouTube is my main strategy at the moment for lead gen, but yeah, just putting everything from YouTube videos on to the podcast. And when you say leads, what part of the business does it bring in? I'll repeat that you said you've yeah. been wholesaling for five years, coaching for about a year, and then you started the podcast less than a year ago. And then as far as what it funnels in, because it sounds like the podcast is supporting you and the YouTube's working even better for you right now. Right. And it gives you, quote, leads. But is that leads to flip houses or is that leads to coach people to flip houses? Yeah, it's mainly leads to coach people because I feel like a home seller that has a distressed property probably won't be listening to my YouTube channel or my podcast. It's mainly people that want to learn how to get into it. And I've also liked the podcast because it helps me to network. I think that's honestly probably the best part about having a podcast is that it gets people on your platform and you can get on others and do podcast swaps. So, but yeah, to answer your question, the leads that I'm getting are students like 100%. I don't think I've got yeah. a seller from it. I like that you were talking about how you're able to bring those people in and that you get them in and that the podcast is what's doing that. This show is for podcast hosts. So yeah. we want to support other hosts about podcasting. And I'm curious, what would you share to that person who's thinking about launching a show to be able to support whatever business that they have? If success is mm -hmm. the name of the game, like what would you say to make the best podcast from your experience so far with your almost 100 episodes that you've done? That's a great question. I would say, again, the key part that I've enjoyed is networking with higher level people that are in different part of the journey than I am, networking with other business owners and learning from them. That's kind of what I've taken from having a podcast. I try when I have people on to like pick their brains because I really am picking their brains. I want to learn as much as I can. So I feel like when people listen to it, they're able to learn probably the same questions hear the same questions that they would probably ask since I'm kind of newer to the space of a lot of people that I talk to. You know, I learned a lot about their businesses. So this brings to a really good point. And I think that the listeners got to hear what you think about what I'm about to ask. So you're talking about the benefits of your podcast. And one of the first ones is networking, growing your network, knowing who you can call and how to call them. And you're just growing the database of the people that you know. Right. The second one was you being able to pick brains or learn on your podcast. And you're really honest and integrous about like um, your own knowledge about what you know mm -hmm. and maybe your limits. And here's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say about that. Some people start a podcast and they want to be the number one about everything. They're mm -hmm. like, fake it till you make it is another thing that I hear. 
like pretend to know this stuff. And then like, eventually you'll know it or a number of things, but you're willing to pick brains at the same time. You've got a listener and that listener might end up hiring you. And so you've got to put on a good show. You've got to show that you're smart and you know how to coach, even though you're asking questions and picking brains and learning yourself. Right. How do you draw that line? And think about it for the listener. Like they're hearing this and they're thinking through like, what should I do? I mean, should I ask questions or do I need to be the expert? What would you say, Nathan? Great question. You know what? I never really think of like, hey, me not being the expert in this matter of this guy brought on makes me look bad. I don't have that mentality because, again, if someone's listening to me and they're like, yeah, this guy, Nate, doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, I probably wouldn't want to work with that person just because I don't know. It just doesn't cross my mind. So, for example, I had someone on that was renewable, like green housing or something like they put like specific think like roofing on the house to make it just more green. Like I can't be the expert about that. I don't know anything about it. So if someone came in and was like, this guy doesn't know what that kind of roofing is. No, I can't lie about that. So I don't know how to answer that other than like, you got to be real. And if people don't like who I am, then it's probably not going to work out anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And so uh, part of what I'm hearing is it sounds like it might be reading between the lines. So correct me if I'm wrong. You absolutely know what you're doing in that space. You do show it on your podcast about Mm -hmm. wholesaling and everything, but there's other types of experts that you bring on and you're fascinated. You like to learn and network with them. And so you'll ask them questions about that, but it's not like, how do you do a wholesale? Isn't maybe the question like, Hey, I've never done a wholesale. How do you do it? You wouldn't be asking that. No, no. If anything, it's kind of like how you did it. You said, you know, for everybody that doesn't know what is a flip, like that doesn't mean people don't think that you don't know what a flip is, right? You're just trying to help them out and help the audience of new listeners. Kind of the same way, like, because I have a lot of students have had success stories on there. And just because I have someone that's brand new on there doing their first deal doesn't mean I haven't done a deal. But I think if people can interpret, okay, he's the podcast host, he knows <laughs> what yeah. he's talking about. But when it comes to like an expert in multifamily or uh, self storage, yeah, I'm not going to go in there and act like I know what I'm talking about. Maybe one day I will, but they're the expert. That's why I brought them yeah. on. Yeah. Cool. I like it. Is there another benefit that you could point out? So the first one being networking, the second one about learning. Um, the third, if I could, could interject, I know that you said you got some clients from hosting. Right. Uh, so growing your business. Is there anything else you can think of? Uh, Let's see. I would say having another platform probably helps you come off more credible in your business, right? Build credibility. Build credibility. And like, for example, I've got, you got Facebook, you have YouTube, you have your different platforms. Adding a podcast is, adds to that. And you know, what's really interesting is like, I wasn't really a podcast listener before, but it does open you up to like a whole new audience that I did not no existed or wasn't aware of. Yeah. Okay. So I've got one, two, three, four, five. Networking, learning, building the business, building credibility and exposure to new platforms and new people. Yeah. Sweet. Here's another question that my listener probably is thinking about. Probably confused or wondering like if your YouTube's working so well, why do you have the podcast? And you know, like 
if your coach, Tom, if, for example, if the podcast isn't working as well as the YouTube right now, would you not say, hey, Tom, I should just stop the podcast? So I want to understand, I'm hoping that there's something valuable to the listener. Like, yeah, why do you have both platforms? So everybody I have on my podcast, I do a video, I record it as video and audio. So it doesn't take away any time for me to have a podcast platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And the way I ask the questions, really the only difference is like it's, you can see the video, but audio yeah. goes over the podcast. So that's why. Now, if it was like, all right, you got to make video content and then you got to go specific audio and you couldn't do them together, then I would probably be like, well, I have to determine how many I can do a week, how many I can do a month. Is it worth my time? But the yeah. month, it's definitely worth it. Cool. Right now, it's definitely worth it to have both. Is that correct? Yeah. Cause it does it at the exact same time. Yeah. Nice. And um, it adds more credibility, more exposure, more growing the business than you could if you were just doing one platform alone. I believe so, yeah. How did you pick your microphone and just the studio equipment that you use? And has it changed along the way? So you've had the podcast a little less than a year. And did you always have the same microphone? What made you decide on that? And give us a, like, a little bit on the equipment that you use. Uh, good question. I got the sure mic and think it, I asked one of my videographers, like when I first started doing video, like what's a good mic to have. So I actually got it for video and just worked out that it sounded good. So that's how I picked the mic. Just asking yeah. someone that was experienced and the equipment, I have a webcam, obviously you can get better, better video footage, but yeah, that's kind of what I got right now. <laughs> I'd like to ask you more info on the YouTube channel. So yeah, um, do you use a green screen? No, so I don't. I either film it in here or I go film it anywhere, you know, outdoors okay. at, at houses we're flipping. Okay, yeah. that's cool that you do it at the house flips too. Those end up being the podcast and you're doing it at the house that you're flipping? So the podcasts are kind of something like me and you were doing where I would yeah. have someone book a schedule, like a call, a podcast, and we would just talk about it. Okay. be here at the studio. Or if I just not happen to be in the studio, it would be by my laptop. But yeah, YouTube's like pretty much in action. I've, I try to do most videos of me doing things. So okay, anywhere. So in that case, the YouTube doesn't become the podcast also. In just no. in that case. Okay. Yeah, in that case. So most of the YouTube are like educational videos or me showing you like implementation. But then I like to do interviews or student success stories that I do broadcast on both. So for your studio... What about lighting and any soundproofing or lighting that you've added or even like multiple camera angles? What do you use and why? And like, if there's anything that's like minimalist, point it out on that, because I think that's also can be a good thing since it's working so well for you. Yeah. So for the lighting, I got some lights off of Amazon. Do you want to see them? Uh, no, because most of okay. my listeners are only right. going to be able to hear it. They're going to be like, wait, I can't see it. What does it yeah. look like? They're going to be mad at me. So. Yeah, so I used just light a couple lights that I got from Amazon again from the videographer. I said, hey, can you help me set this up? And usually they can see the camera and they can see the lighting and they say, move them this way. And that's how I got that set up. And then for a soundproofing, I got moving blankets. I heard that was like a cheaper oh. way to do it. So I have cool. some moving blankets around at the very edges of the some of the walls. Cool. So. And so what about like a window? Do you cover the window or do you leave it? I specifically work in and do my studio in an office that doesn't have a window. Okay, cool. And as far as when you are recording, is it 
Did you say you did it over Zoom or does someone come into your studio? It depends if they are local. If they're mm -hmm. local, I'll try and get my videographer involved where they she can just do it on her camera and we oh, can do cool. it in the studio or anywhere else that we want to shoot. And if it's virtual, like we are, we're not in the same area, uh, we would just do it over StreamYard. Cool. And then as far as like what you think makes a successful YouTube video, if the listener is thinking, well, I definitely want video for what I do. What do they need to do in order to have success through it? Because it sounds like you've gotten some good success through the YouTube part. And like for me, I don't even pay attention to my YouTube. I focus everything on my podcast, on the right. audio experience. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing? What did you do to get so successful on your YouTube channel? You know, I wouldn't say I'm like the most successful YouTuber out there <laughs> yet, okay. but I would just say consistency is what I've learned. Also, I've learned like the SEO model, like of trying to make titles that get searched. So, cause my SEO right now, the, a lot of the titles I made a while ago are actually growing now, finally to get in search and getting on the search, like the home tab for YouTube. I had to learn a lot. I've hired a YouTube coach to kind of teach me the ways of what to do. YouTube is interesting, you know, like you would think like some stuff that would hit and get really good results doesn't and sometimes stuff that you're like let's give it a shot like it's kind of difficult to see like what works so we just put out as much as we can and i believe with consistency and with the right seo titles like it's going to grow inevitably grow bigger and bigger and bigger so you mentioned that you hired a youtube coach i'm going to just take a moment here i wanted to lose some weight i got my dad bod and it just totally looked like you know whatever and there came a day that my son was like, oh, you're fat belly. And he was basically making fun of me in a kind way. Yeah, and I'm man. like, you really think I'm fat? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't get it. But um, I started to try a few things just on my own, Nathan, just like the mistake that I made when I spent 15 grand to make six mm -hmm. instead of hiring a coach. I did the same thing, but with my health. And so I was like, all right, YouTube told me about fasting. YouTube told me about this. I went to CrossFit. I tried all sorts of things. And sometimes I would like lose some weight and then gain it back plus more. And other times I would lose weight, just crazy slow. And other times it would just seem like nothing was working or mm. I would lose weight, but it was just that my muscles in my arms were getting smaller and looking thinner, but my belly was getting bigger. Right, right. And so there I got desperate. I was like, fine, I'll hire someone. So I hired a coach. And I end up getting down to six pack lean and I feel way better. Now I'm healthier, I'm faster, and, and I've got some better habits in place around health with what I eat, what I drink, and what I do movement wise. So I love with what you're saying, we've already talked about like a wholesaling coach will make it so you spend less if, we'll just say we use you. You spend right. a lot less on marketing and you're still able to make good money and you're able to do it quick. Right. Same thing with YouTube. I tried it on my own. I tried YouTube my own. I'm like, eh, can't really figure this out. So it's not a big deal. I'm not even going to worry about it. But you did something different. You hired someone to support you with that. And I think that helps us to think about, can I really do it on my own? Or is it really worth it to do it on my own? Have you hired any other types of coaches uh, Gosh, besides yeah. those two? Yes. Go ahead. I've been hiring coaches since I got started <laughs> in okay. wholesaling. 
Yeah, tons and of selling coaches. Why? Tons, yeah. Well, it's time, right? It's time or, or speed. You know, you pay for speed, you or not, you can figure it out with time. And I know that there's, you know, the opportunity costs, right? You might be saving money, but you're also losing money. So, but you also got to be careful with coaches too, because sometimes you're over leveraged and you think like, hey, let me get this person to know what to do. And it's like, well, you're just doing too many things right now and you're not going to be successful doing any of them. It doesn't matter if this person gives you the sauce, you're not even doing anything like good. And that's something that I struggle with too, is like, I think you can pay for the solution, right? Cause it's quicker, but you're not even going to implement it the right way that they would. Right. Like yeah. you're too spread. Yeah. It's been a big problem of mine is trying to do too much stuff. So they say that no man can serve two masters. I think that's a Bible verse or something like that. Yes. They also say, um, if you try to chase two rabbits, you'll catch none. Yeah, exactly. And certainly, you know, when I was trying my wholesaling and lost some money, A, I didn't have a coach. I didn't know you. Mm -hmm. C, I was doing it just on my own. And D, and this is what part makes it the worst, I was also flipping mobile home, self-storage, houses in this state, houses in this other state, managing all of these different crews, starting a lending business and running my podcast and doing, and I had kids and I could just go on. I'm already stressing myself out, Ooh, but yeah, I wasn't doing just is. one thing. Right. I was doing dozens of things. And just in real estate, I didn't have a niche. I was trying to be an opportunist and chase shiny objects. So have you seen like this type of example, what I'm saying about me chasing shiny objects and not being able to get a whole bunch of results? Have you seen anyone else in Utah where you live or people that came to you for coaching and they were trying to do something different? Like um, when they're trying to do too many things at once? I think that's the downfall of everyone, even myself included. Like I've recently been able to kind of narrow down what I do in my personal life to be focused with my family. Yeah, it's just how it is. Like you think there's so many opportunities out there you want to chase them all, but then you realize you're losing out on a ton because you're too spread too thin. So it happens to me, it happens to people I coach, I bring them in and they're like, hey, yeah, I appreciate you teaching me this, but I also signed up for this. And I'm like, whoa, you're signing for that. You're not going to be that successful with what I'm telling you. You're doing that. So whew, it's tough. There's so many books about it. What is that? The one thing? Yeah. There's a, you know, what is this? Free to focus. It's just everything is like, hey, I have ones called 2X, 10X is easier than 2X that I just read. So many, it's just like, hey, just focus. It must be something that a lot of people struggle with because there's a lot of books out there about it. Especially people that are born entrepreneurs. Because if you're a born entrepreneur, somebody like that is typically not too afraid of failure. They also believe that they can handle anything because they've done pretty well in their life. And furthermore, they're more likely to see the possibilities, then they see all of the drawbacks. They'll chase a lot. Uh, that was me. That was me trying to do all of the things. And I guarantee if I would have just done wholesaling and hired a coach, I probably would have been a lot more successful than if I was trying dozens of things all at the right. same time and just like half-assing it. You need yeah. to full ass something if you want to be yeah. successful. No, um, you don't want to go half-assed. You want to go half, you know, <laughs> you want to go full speed. Yeah, I'll just tell this really quick. So I was on a mastermind and I was on a call and someone was talking about, hey, we're getting into software and they're brand new into software and they came from real estate background. And like, personally, I know I'm like, whoa, 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 you're getting into software. Like that's a full blown thing. Cause I know, cause I market, well, I, 
also went too many. Like when I first started, I'm like, oh, affiliates, affiliates are great. Let me give everyone every affiliate that I've ever known for. I'm bound to get some people to sign up, right? You know, you got props, you got bachelors, you got all these, like, let me just tell people about all the things they can sign up for. And I barely got any. Now it's like, I talk about one affiliate, one or two, and those are the ones I talk about. And I get way more signups, right? So it's the same thing when they start talking about software. I'm like, hey guys, good luck. It's a whole different business. Not only do you have to build a software, but you have to market that software. You have to get people to use it. So it just seems to be something everybody goes into. They want the shiny penny, the grass is greener. They think it's easier, but, and I'll say one last thing. I got into coaching, not only because we were doing the wholesaling business and I could, but I also thought, yeah, maybe it might be a little bit easier. It's kind of, it's just different thing. It's still the same. You got to work really hard at it. I like that. You know, whatever it is, you got to work hard at it. You got to put it, you got to put your head down and like your coach, what is his name? Tom, Tom? Yeah, Tom. Uh, Tom Kroll. His big thing is the rhino mm-hmm. that just puts their head down and charges, right? That's right. So if we can be more like that rhino, put our head down and just focus, we're going to be successful in whatever we do. And yeah. that includes if we're launching a podcast and the topic that we've been talking about, about focus is can be really helpful on a podcast as well. When we're chasing two rabbits, we catch none. Mm-hmm. You, no man can serve two masters, etc. Because when we have a podcast, if we don't know who that perfect avatar is, that individual that we need to be adding value to, then we start having very broad blanket stuff. And some of the stuff matters to people and other stuff doesn't matter to them. And right. so if there's somebody that we could work with, for example, in our coaching program, for you, Nathan, if there's somebody that we could work with on our podcast, sometimes we add value to them and sometimes we don't, they're going to eventually say, "Eh, I'm just going to listen to a different podcast. I'm just going to go and find a different podcast because sometimes I get value, but I want something where I can always know that it's for me. But nobody can really think if you're always having random value, broad value, nobody can be like, this is for me about everything. And so you're hundred percent right. All of the people that you want to serve go to their different podcasts because they found one that was more niched. And Mm -hmm. so we think, Hey, I'm limiting myself by niching is what people automatically think, but it's opposite. That's when you get the most amount of listener base is when you can focus and know exactly how to serve that person. And that's something Tom does really well with his, with his coaching as well. No, you nailed it on the head. Like the people I bring on my podcast, I'm like, Hey, I'm interested in you, but the listener might be like, I'm not interested in that. (laughs) Mm, Got it. So you're doing that, it sounds like, but you're still getting coaching clients. Yeah, yeah. And you just, a light bulb came on my head. It's just true. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm still getting some, but imagine how many more would be interested if the topic was more focused. I like that. Yeah. That's cool. So one thing that I'm noticing, and I'm hoping I can add some feedback, is the small print on your podcast um, logo, mm-hmm. the artwork, the small print is pretty tough to read right now. Okay, I'm reading it on my computer, so it's blown up to a massive size. And it's still really small about getting into real estate doesn't have to be painful if you surround yourself with the right people, painlessflipping.com. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that if you found a way to make that bolder on our tiny little phones, We'll be able to read it and we can get that value of, we can know exactly, oh, that's what I'm going to learn when I listen to this podcast. 
So I would suggest just growing that. And I hope that yeah. that's beneficial to the listener. For sure. To think through like whatever your podcast artwork is, make sure that it's readable, like especially to understand that it's not a big poster that is in everybody's house. It is a tiny little app in a phone and it's even just a small part of that app. And sure. so it can get kind of hard to read. Um, Makes sense, yeah. I want to find out what your plan is with your podcast and the best advice that you have for a podcaster, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, my friend, as you know, this episode is sponsored by my company, growyourshow.com. We want you to be able to have the best tools at your disposal without costing you a whole arm and a leg. So right now you can get a free list of vetted equipment that like mics, mixers, webcams, sound treatment, editing software, everything that you need. I created the whole PDF with direct purchase links just to save you time and money to help it be more convenient for you. So this free PDF will help you skip all the guesswork. If it's on there, it's vetted and approved by yours truly. And if it's not on there, it's probably not worth the money. So go ahead and get yours at growyourshow.com forward slash PDF. Let's get back into the show. We're back with Nathan Payne talking about house flipping and what he's done with painless flipping and his podcast. We've already learned a ton of things about the benefits of having a podcast. Now, Nathan, he has got a YouTube and a podcast, but he wants to make sure he still has a podcast. He says no matter what, he wants to do both. And it's because he's networking more. He's picking brains. He's learning. He's growing. He's growing his business. He's growing his credibility. And he's getting more exposure to new listeners on top of the people that he's getting through YouTube. He talked about planning. We've talked a lot about chasing shiny objects and focusing and niching and nailing down what you're focused on, not chasing two rabbits at the same time or else you're going to lose them. And I want you to know where you can find Nathan. So he's got a couple of websites that are, his bio is in the show notes. So you can scroll down and get his bio. Any social media that he wanted to share is down in the show notes right now. And also to find his masterclass at painlessflipping.com, that link's in the show notes. And Investor Thrive, which is his main website, is also in the show notes. So Nathan, I talked about before the break that I wanted to ask you a couple quick questions. Yeah. And the first one is, what is your plan with a podcast? Well, after having this conversation, I think maybe I need to get more niche on who I invite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like that. Yeah. I, You know what, Nathan, I had a real estate podcast myself mm -hmm. and I invited just anybody, just anybody, wow. because I just want to learn everything. And it was a great for me to learn. And I got a decent follower, followership. Mm -hmm. And then one day I was in a mastermind, like we keep talking about masterminds as well. Yeah. And I was in a mastermind and I was telling people, I was telling a lot of the people in there have podcasts. And I was saying like, Hey, I want this to happen through my podcast. And one of the guys just pulls up his phone and he goes, Hey, does this topic, and he shows me the thing and tells the whole room in front of me, he goes, mm -hmm. does this topic help you help that person? And I'm like, well, no. They're like, okay. A few minutes later, does that topic help you with that person? Right. I'm like, no. And so that's where I learned, like, if you want to add value to the right person to just really focus, like think about the avatar at every step of the way. When they're looking at the artwork, when they're reading the title, when they're reading the title of the whole podcast, but also each episode and just the content, the guests that you have, any content, it's like, let's help that avatar go from point A to point 
B. Love that. So if you're going to make any changes, the plan is to just get a little bit more focused. How about the best advice that you would have for a new podcaster, somebody who's either about to start or they've been doing it for just a year or two? Uh, I would say what you just said, like really focus in on who your target, your avatar is. Because again, for me, it's been, you know, joining a mastermind. Everybody wants to be on your podcast or everybody wants to get their word, like what they do out there. So I kind of looked at having a podcast more instead of lead gen, right? More like building my business, more of like in helping the the listener more of like, Hey, let me help others. <laughs> yeah. You know, let me get other people on here. Yeah. That is such a great way to put it because it shows the feeling that we have when we have a platform and other people want on it. It shows us that it's something that is actually tough yeah. to like, to say no sometimes. And sure. I don't know where this comes from. There's a book that I read and I think it was called The Power of No. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but I remember like, I remember reading that and thinking that no was a dirty word thinking that saying no was mean and angry and it wasn't friendly and it wasn't helpful and learning the power of no. I wish I could recall who wrote the book. I should just pull it up, pause, pull it up and restart. But the point being that it was then that I started using no, and I'm not good at it yet. I'm not great right. at it. Nathan, I can tell you work out. You know how, when we lift weights, we get stronger and stronger. We get bigger right. and stronger. When we run sprints, we get faster and faster. When we want to practice speaking on stage, we have to put in the reps and speak on stage more. It's the same with saying no. It is so hard to say no and to cut people out at first. As we do say no to more people, it starts to feel liberating and we tend to get respect, or at least that's what it says in the book. So good stuff. No, I agree. I agree. Like, I think you nailed it. Like the fact that I'm willing to bring everybody on my podcast that who knows if it benefits, I know it would not benefit. My avatar is someone that's either trying to do their first deal or is trying to do their next deal and they're not like scaled out and they're not amazing at this business, right? So if I bring someone on that's like self-storage or multifamily, they're like, you're just ruining my journey for me because you just introduced this other shiny penny. I'm actually doing a disservice. <laughs> Yeah. There's this guy. Have you heard of Matt Terriel? I have. Yeah. Okay. He's in the mastermind that I was telling you about. So mm -hmm. we're in leadership boardroom, it's called. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, Matt, I would say one of the best things he does on his show is he always talks to the avatar. And there's this guy named Dave Ramsey. Have you heard of him? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Dave Ramsey's. he's got four things. He's got Four things that he ever says. That's it. Yeah. This guy, how boring would it be to have like 7,000 episodes and to only talk about four different things ever? Yeah. He knows he gets the audience. He knows he's talking to. Yeah. So if I think I love where this is going, if we want to be truly successful, we got to stay honed in on who we serve and how we serve them. Good stuff. Powerful. Powerful. If you're listening, go check down into the show notes. Nathan Payne's information is there, the Painless Flipping podcast. You can click on that and go subscribe and check out how do I start making money without having to spend a whole bunch of money. Or you can check out his masterclass, painlessflipping.com. That link's in the show notes or just check out his main website. Nathan, thanks for jumping on. Thanks for adding value, being vulnerable, being honest about what's going well and what's not. <laughs> <laughs>